Welcome to episode number 43 of the Better With Brock podcast. In today's episode, we're going to be talking about calorie expenditure or burning calories. We're going to define what it is, how it happens, and then the considerations we have to think of when we're taking burning calories into the equation of transforming your body. The first thing we need to discuss is how we actually burn calories. And the way that we do that comes through four different things, four different ways, four different compartments. And the first one is the most significant, which is your BMR, which stands for your basal metabolic rate. And that is how many calories you would burn if you laid on the couch watching Netflix. Absolutely chilling, doing nothing, not getting up, just chilling there. You could look at it like being in a coma in hospital, just literally existing, just being alive. Your basal metabolic rate is the amount of calories that you burn just to keep alive. All the processes that you need, your heart to beat, your brain to function, you know, blood to be pumping around your body, all the things that goes on in your body. Keeping the lights on, that's your basal metabolic rate. And that's responsible for approximately 60% of the calories that you burn throughout the day. And that baffles a lot of people because we think we burn all our calories in the gym. We burn all our calories when we go for a run. But the biggest portion of calories that we burn throughout the day is actually just from existing, just from being alive. I want you to take that knowledge on board. The second most significant way that we burn calories is something called your NEAT levels. NEAT stands for non-planned, that's the N. E stands for exercise, activity, thermogenesis, NEAT. Non-planned exercise, activity, thermogenesis. And that is your non-planned exercise. That's the stuff that you do without even thinking. That's your walking, that's your fidgeting, that's your touching your hair, that's your tapping your hand on the table, that's your wiggling your knee at the table when you're sitting there nervously or just sitting there in general. Everyone has different things that they do. I use my hands a lot when I talk. So if you're watching this on YouTube, you'll be able to see sometimes when I talk and especially when I get really into things, I start like (laughs) throwing my hands out back and forward or pointing to the left, pointing to the right, listing things with my fingers. This is neat levels at play. The non-planned exercise. And there's a debate out there that says, is going for a walk neat levels because you're actually planning to do it. And I I see where they're coming from. I think we're, we're fighting over stuff that doesn't really matter if you're saying, oh, well, that's actually not neat because you plan to do that. It still sits in the basket of physical activity when we look at burning calories, which I'll break down later on. So that's your neat levels and they're responsible for around 20% of the calories that we burn. And then we have eat levels which is exercise activity thermogenesis. So it's the same acronym except non-planned is in front of NEAT. So exercise activity activity thermogenesis is your planned exercise. We could call it PEAT to make it more obvious. Planned exercise activity thermogenesis. So the things that you know you're going to do. You know you're going to go to the gym three times a week. You know you're going to go to the gym five times a week. You know you're going to go for a run every Monday, Thursday. You know that you got jujitsu class on Monday, Wednesday, and Friday. This is your planned exercise, and that also burns calories. That 
fits into your calorie expenditure. However, it's not as significant as your non-planned or your BMR. It's responsible for around 5-10%. to 10%. Obviously, this depends on how much you train. If you're a professional athlete and you spend majority of your day training, stretching, doing yoga, recovering, you're probably going to have a higher percentage than 5-10%. to 10%. It could creep up to 15-20% to 20 because you're so physically active. But most of us have jobs. We have lives that we have to live. We're not... 100% full-time athletes dedicated to physical activity. So it generally will sit around that 5 to 10%. And for people that are completely sedentary, don't even work out, lift weights, play sport, have physical activity hobbies, it's probably going to be more towards the lower end of the spectrum. The, the last portion is something called TEF, the thermic effect of food. And that is the calories that we burn when we're breaking down food into our digestive system. So that obviously costs energy. That is our calorie expenditure. And this increases, it's around 5 to 10% as well. It increases as we have a high protein diet because protein is more taxing on the digestive system to process. So if we're having a high protein diet, it's going to be on the higher end than if it wasn't, just because it's harder to process, as I just said. So those are the four components. Once again, quickly summarizing, BMR we have, which is your basal metabolic rate, responsible for around 60%. We have your NEATS levels, which stands for non-planned exercise activity thermogenesis, which is around 15 to 20% of your calorie expenditure. We then have our planned exercise activity thermogenesis, EAT or PEAT, like I just said, and that is responsible for 5 to 10%. We then have the thermic effect of food which is uh, the amount of calories it costs for us to break down calories. And that is another 5 to 10%. So somewhere within that range, everyone is different, but you're going to reach 100% of the amount of calories that you burn. Uh, the, The biggest portion from just existing, just being alive, just waking up, getting through the day and finishing it, you're burning calories. But on top of that, you have your non planned exercise and everyone has that to to varying degrees. And then we have our planned exercise. Obviously, people that are into sport, athletes or people that do physical activity hobbies, hobbies they like cycling or all that kind of stuff, they're going to have higher levels of this. And then we have the thermic effect of food, uh, going to be lower for people that don't have high protein diets. People with high protein diets are going to have a higher thermic effect of food. So these are ways that you can look at increasing your metabolism, which isn't the 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 topic of the podcast that I want to dive in, but just a little side note here. If you did want to increase your metabolism, which is ultimately increasing how many uh, calories that you burn throughout the day, then you would look at consuming a high protein diet because that would cost your body more energy to process. That is how we burn calories. And I wanted to highlight the fact that majority of the calories that we burn is literally just from existing. There are ways that we can change that, but our basal metabolic rate is made up of our height, our age, our weight, and our sex, our biological sex. And look, we can't really change our height once we become an adult. We we can change our weight, which is the only thing that we can really change. We can't change uh, our age, uh, our height, or our sex, right? You can change your sex later on in life, but that doesn't change your biological sex. So 
the only thing that we can change there is our weight. So a heavier person, if you're the same height, age, and sex as someone, but someone's heavier than you, they're going to have a higher a higher um, BMR because they need more energy to turn the lights on. So a small person is going to have a smaller basal metabolic rate than a larger person. Whether they're male or female, the size really does um, does have a big factor in basal metabolic rate because we need more energy to keep the lights on for a bigger house, let's say. And that is one of the biggest reasons why men can eat more calories than women. Like sometimes there's like recommendations for men and there's recommendations for, for, for women. For example, when we look at like calorie intake. And that's ultimately because men in, on average are larger than women. So they need more calories to sustain life than females do. Very basic, but I just want to break it down because we are diving into uh, burning calories in this in this podcast. So, if you did want to increase your metabolism, male or female, you could gain weight. Obviously, we would want that to try to be muscle as opposed to gaining fat, right? But that is one of the things that we can change in our uh, BMR, our basal metabolic rate, or else that just kind of stays pretty steady. And to give you an example of what uh, or how big the basal metabolic rate is for me, so I'm 90 kg. Mostly I fluctuate up and down. I'm around 90 kg. I'm six foot tall or 183 centimeters, um, obviously male. Um my uh, my basal metabolic rate is around 1,900 to 2,000 calories. So it depends what calculator you use. You can go online and use different basal metabolic rate calculators. Mine was around 1,900 calories. So for me, just to wake up, if I was just to never get out of bed, I would be 1,900 calories burning just sitting there. And then if you look at my NEAT levels and my eat levels and my thermic effect of food, all those calories piled on top, then that would make my TDEE, which is my total daily energy expenditure. So your basal metabolic rate is the thing that is just fixed, right? But our total daily energy expenditure is our basal metabolic rate plus our NEAT levels, our EAT levels, and our TEF levels. And that ultimately, our TDEE, our total daily energy expenditure, is another word, an elongated word, for our maintenance calories. And I want you to understand this because this is going to help you understand when you want to lose weight or when you want to gain weight or when you want to maintain weight, how many calories you should be consuming. I have a calorie calculator that you can use. It doesn't calculate your basal metabolic rate, but it calculates your TDEE, your your maintenance. And then if you want to lose weight, you would consume less calories than your maintenance. If you wanted to gain weight, you would consume more calories than your maintenance. And these are the, princi- the principles of the calorie deficit, calorie maintenance, and also the calorie surplus. But the BMR and the TDEE are intertwined. But ultimately, my TDEE, my maintenance, is around 3,500 calories. And that could sound high, especially with my basal metabolic rate only being around 1,900 to 2,000 calories. I have this other 1,500 calories to make up. And that is uh, 
used or my those calories burnt, those 1500 calories above my basal metabolic rate are my NEAT levels, my EAT levels and my thermic effect of food. So for my NEAT levels, I am very active. I look at my, um, so I have a Fitbit and I'm going to get into how accurate smartwatches are towards the end of this podcast. But for example, I've done 7,000 calories, uh, sorry, I've done 7,000 steps. Um, so 7,469 is what I'm on now. I've done a jujitsu class before I did this podcast. So that's extra, um, planned exercise you could say. Um, but that doesn't register on my watch cause I don't wear my watch whilst I roll or else it would break. Um, because we need our wrists to be able to be grabbed in jujitsu. So that's my neat levels, but on average, like just, just today and it's around 3 PM right now. But for the rest of my NEAT levels, I average around somewhere between 10,000 to 15,000 steps per day. I usually get more steps on the weekend because I'm with my family. I go for a walk with my wife and my daughter. Quite often we go down to the beach, we walk up and down, we walk different places, we might go to the shopping center, all that kind of stuff. But I have quite a high physical activity level with my steps. I would say my average, I could probably pull it up on my phone, but uh, I don't have it on me. Um, It's probably over 70,000 steps per week. And for my planned exercise, I do three jujitsu sessions that are like 90 minutes long. And then I do five workouts, which are about one hour long. So as you can see, I have a really big physical activity level. And if we look at our physical activity level, it's made up of our planned exercise and our non-planned exercise. And that's why at the beginning of this podcast, I said like, it doesn't really matter if our walks are planned or non-planned, you can put them in whatever box you want to, because it still sits in our physical activity box, which is our neat levels, non-planned exercise, plus our eat levels, which is our planned exercise, our workout. So whether I class my 10,000 steps that I do on average a day into planned exercise or non-planned exercise, it still sits in this physical activity bucket. And your body doesn't care where your calories uh, expenditure has come from. It just costs you energy. It costs you calories. And that is what you're burning when you're looking at that. So for example, I also have a high level of uh, protein in my diet, I'm consuming around 2.5 grams per kilo of body weight, which is the upper echelon of a high protein diet. So as you can see, I'm a bit of a calorie burning machine. So that's why my maintenance calories is 3,500. Some people wouldn't even dream of eating 3,500 calories, but that's just the reality of my life. I'm very physically active. I would say I'm reasonably tall. I'm reasonably muscular. I'm reasonably heavy. um, And I have a high level of protein uh, in my diet. So I have to eat lots of food, 3,500 calories. That's just for me to main weight. At the moment I'm dropping weight and I'm on about 3,300 to 3,200 calories. That's only a 300 calorie deficit each day, but that's helping me to lose a slight amount of weight every week. I don't want to lose too much, but just slowly edge it off. And, um, that's the importance of kind of like understanding your total daily energy expenditure and how many calories you burn. Because once you're aware of how much you burn, then you can now go, okay, this is what I'll do if I was going to lose weight. This is what I'll do if I was going to gain weight. It's the same if you look at budgeting. If you know how much you're earning and how much you're spending or how much your entire household is bringing in and how much your entire household costs, you might have kids, you might have a wife, 
kids might have schools. You might have hobbies that you need to pay for. You might have a mortgage to pay for. You might need to pay for a car. You might need to go shopping to buy clothes, whatever. We all have expenditures um, and kind of like how much we make coming in as well. But if we're not aware of it, we don't know what to do to save money or we don't know what to do if we're going to like spend too much and go into debt or go broke. And that's the same thing. That's how I like to look at calories as well. If we don't know how much we're burning, then we don't really know how much we need to consume if we are going to lose, maintain or gain weight. And that takes me to the next question. What is the best way to burn as many calories as possible? And this seems to be the goal of so many people in the gym. They're like, I want to burn as many calories as possible. And I understand that because if you are overweight, it's a simple equation. You have been eating more calories, consuming more calories than you've been expending. And the fat that you've accumulated is just repetition of that. Consuming too many calories, not burning enough calories. But if you know your TDEE, your total daily energy expenditure, then you know, oh man, I'm eating too much. Like my total daily energy expenditure is only 2,500 calories. So why am I eating 3,000? That's why I'm gaining weight. For me, this knowledge is empowering. I don't think it's obsessive. I don't think it's like, oh man, you're thinking too much about food. You, you know, this is going to be a problem for you. I think that once you're aware of it, you can actually make change. And you can um, change your body composition in a positive way. So what is the best uh, way to burn as many calories as possible? Um, there are studies on this in terms of like cardio. Cardio is slightly more uh, calorie expending than other forms of exercise. Let's say like lifting weights. However, over a 24-hour period, Weights and cardio is kind of relatively the same. Obviously, it depends. If you're running a marathon, you're going to burn a ton of calories. If you're doing a huge CrossFit Games tournament, then like that would, I would say classes like lifting weights because you're doing, you know, deadlifts, you're doing snatches, you're doing farmer's carries, you're doing kettlebells. That is like super calorically expensive as well. But if we just look at the average cardio and the average like lifting weights, it's kind of the same. Cardio burns more calories initially. Uh, lifting weights burns uh, pretty equal amounts of calories over a 24-hour period. And that is like, I don't know if it's still legit, but like this whole like afterburn effect, like once you lift weights, uh, your muscles are recovering. So they don't just like stop. Like if you go for a run, yes, your muscles probably need to recover, but not as much as like lifting heavy weights, having a slow eccentric, like you're really breaking the muscle down and then it needs to recover over the next 24, 48 hours. It's more demanding than it is doing cardio. So overall, it kind of averages out, which is why I always say, like, don't try to burn as many calories as possible. Number one, we need to zoom out and look at sustainability. Are you going to be able to maintain this, this, this protocol of exercise that you've chosen? Or are you just trying to slog yourself and burn as many calories as possible? Because it's all good trying to burn calories and drop body fat and become fit and, and, and things like that. Or maybe just look fit, uh, look leaner, whatever goal you're going for. But, like, you have to be able to sustain it. Personally, I have a bias towards lifting weights. I really enjoy it. But also, I know that lifting weights does not just burn calories. It builds muscle. And muscle mass is way more, not way more, but it is more 
calorically expensive to exist in your body than fat is. So if you have um, someone that's a 100 kg jacked bodybuilder or maybe a 100 kg person that's like obese and not much muscle mass but just a lot of fat mass, this bodybuilder is going to burn more calories than the person that is just made up of mostly fat because they have more muscle. Muscle is more metabolically active and recovered and, and let's say um, requires more energy for the lights to stay on. Let's put it simple like that. So I like lifting weights because you're kind of like, I, li- I like looking at it as investing into your metabolism. You're paying down deposits into your metabolism. I think if I was 90 kilos, um, you know, six foot like I am and male, I would not burn as many calories if I was like less muscular. I wouldn't be able to eat 3,500 calories and just maintain my weight. Because I would have less muscle, which is more metabolically demanding than fat is. So the best way to burn calories, it doesn't really matter. It doesn't really matter, right? So I had this quote that I've kind of been working on and it, and, and it goes like this. If I watched Netflix all day and never got out of bed, I would burn 1,900 to 2,000 calories. If I hit 10,000 steps per day, I would burn an additional 600 to 700 calories, if I lifted weights, I would burn 300 to 400 calories. The amount of calories that we burn in the gym is very small compared to how much we burn from just being alive and walking. Work out to build muscle, not to burn calories. And that's ultimately what I've just been explaining in this podcast. Look at like the amount of calories that we burn with our EAT levels. It's not significant compared to our NEAT levels and definitely not significant to our basal metabolic rate. So don't lose your mind about checking your watch. How many calories did I burn? Oh, I burned 400 calories. I'm such a failure. I should have burned, I should have burned 450 or 500. It's not about that. It's about doing what you enjoy and is that form of exercise that you're doing getting you closer to your goal, whatever that may be. It could be getting jacked and looking like a Greek god. That's brilliant. It could also just be running a faster half marathon because you're doing the city to surf soon. That's also cool. It depends what you want to do. I have a bias towards lifting weights. It helps me um, become more muscular. It helps me become stronger. It helps me with my performance in jiu-jitsu. And also, I want to look a certain way because I enjoy looking a certain way and maintaining this lifestyle. I also feel great. My joints don't hurt, right? And now that I have a daughter, I want to be around for my daughter. And I know that sarcopenia, as I get older, it's far away. Look, I'm 29 years old. I'm not getting old by any means. But later on, As I start getting older and deteriorating and my muscle degrading, I want to be able to have as much muscle mass as possible and take that investment of muscle into my future so I'm not this little fragile person that's going to fall over and need a hip replacement because that is serious as you get older, right? Right now, I don't have to think about that. But as you get older, you're like, damn, man, I should have lifted some weight. And looking at people, parents, grandparents now, within my family, within my friend group, within my circle, it's just becoming so loud and clear that lifting weights is just so important into your elder years. There's studies about creatine in the elder population too and like, and the benefits that it could have for them. And I'm like, if only you knew, because I'll talk to these people and they, they don't lift weights. They think that, you know, going for a walk is enough. And look, it's better than nothing, but it's not going to give you that same response where your muscles going to grow and help you to be more sturdy as you get older. But they just have no like 
clue about like especially creatine like supplementation that's a different thing high protein diet no way there's like that generation this wasn't talked about so i hope that this helps you to understand um the ideas around you know weight training around having a high protein diet even supplementing with things like creatine to help you become stronger recover faster and more muscular these things will pay off in your later years i know that you probably don't want to think about it and fair play because you know i don't need to think about it either but it's nice to know as you kind of get older you can like take that muscle mass into your older years all right so i'm moving on the best way to burn um, calories we kind of just discussed now let's talk about eating calories versus burning calories um Look, you cannot out-exercise a bad diet. That quote has been in the fitness industry for a while and fair play, it should be because it is very, very true. Eating calories is so much easier than burning calories. If, look, man, one day I feel sick just thinking about it. I did a 10,000 calorie challenge with my friend Dave. He didn't end up making it, but I ended up getting to 10,000 calories and it was disgusting the feeling that i had was just like oh like eating 10,000 calories was just such a mission but you know what i did it in 24 hours i ate 10,000 calories that is like much easier to do than burn 10,000 calories like if you look at like me just existing um in my life like jujitsu training steps thermic effect of food eat levels that's 3,500 calories just to maintain so I had pretty much three days worth of food at maintenance in one day. And that is the sole reason that you cannot out-exercise a bad diet. Like it's so much harder to burn calories off than it is to consume them. Think of a Big Mac. It's around 500 calories. You can smash that super easy. A Big Mac, man, that's gone in like a minute. But for you to burn 500 calories... That is probably like a really decent run, probably like a five kilometer run or like lifting weights intensely for one hour. And like you need to understand this because if you're trying to transform your body, like this idea, like I train a lot of people. If I was to talk to people, you know, and say like, how's your diet going? You know, like some of them will say, oh, yeah, like I haven't been too good, but I did more cardio. I haven't like I didn't really stick to my diet on Sunday. Like I had a bit of a cheat meal, but I did an extra workout session. And I'm like, man, that extra 500 to 1000 calories that you had as your cheat meal was not compensated with that extra workout. You are still like at a loss with your calories here. You're going to gain weight. And the math just does not add up. If you're trying to eat like, sorry, if you're trying to burn calories that you ate, you're never going to win. It's just too easy to eat, especially when you're eating hyper-processed foods like a Big Mac or like a donut, like a cake, like these things that you have in cheat meal, like you're like, have it, bang, 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 it's done. And then that's like, mate, that's like a thousand calories done, 1500 calories. It's easy to just knock them back when they're foods that just feel like they just never want to stop. Like to burn that back, mate, that's almost half a week of training. So you need to really get a like an, an understanding. Like if you look at a hot dog eating contest versus a marathon, like who's going to win? A hot dog eating contest, you're going to be able to consume way more calories that way than running a marathon. And I know that that's not the perfect comparison, but 
they're doing this thing as fast as possible. You're eating as fast as possible in a hot dog eating contest. And when you're doing a marathon, you're like running as fast as possible for a very long amount of time. But still, the hot dog eating contest will always consume more calories than the marathon could ever burn. I now want to talk about the accuracy of smartwatches that most people are wearing when they're into fitness or people will just wear it if they like the look of it, an Apple Watch, for example. And let's talk about the accuracy of the actual of the amount of calories that you burn when you are looking at your watch. For example, let's look at my watch now. The amount of calories burnt. Uh, I just need to change my clock face so I can see it. Let's go here. It says that I have burnt 2,446 calories today. So as I said, my maintenance is around 3,500. So it should kind of bring me up to 3,500 calories burnt by the end of the day. I still got a while now. I need to burn like 1,100 calories. And that might take, like that might be relatively accurate. But let's look at what the research says about the accuracy of smart watches. Um, for energy expenditure estimates, no brand of wearable, which is what the watches are called, was within plus or minus 3% measurement error more than 13% of the time. Underestimation of energy expenditure, less than 3%, was observed in Garmin wearables 69% of the time. And in Withings wearables, just a different brand, 74% of the time. Conversely, Apple wearables overestimated energy expenditure 58% of the time. And Polar wearables, which is just Polar is another brand, wearables overestimated energy expenditure 69% of the time. Fitbit devices tended to provide inaccurate measures compared with the criteria, underestimating 48.4% of the time and overestimating 39.5% of the time, despite the image in the study showing a reasonable median value for accuracy. So ultimately, I knew this, most people know this, but it's a bit of a shit show. They're not that accurate. As you can see, some of them are underestimating by 48% and then overestimating by 40%. That's within the same brand of different models of the Fitbit. Like it's just so hard to tell. And this is why I don't like to look at calories burnt. Because first of all, it's so inaccurate. The way that you would actually have to determine that would be inhumane. You would have to take like muscle biopsies You'd have to be in a metabolic chamber. And that's just unrealistic. Like, okay, maybe this is the best thing that we have. But it's not very good. That's why I don't look like... I, I don't like to look at it session by session. Oh, I burnt 500 calories. I burnt 550 calories. Because then you get into this competition of how many calories did I burn. But when you're going to the gym, that's not how we measure progress. Like, the amount of calories that we burn. That is not... Okay, if you burnt 700 calories and someone burnt 300, does that mean that you're better than that person? No. Does that mean you had a better workout than that person? No. Because you have questions like this. How was your form? What weights did you lift? Did you progress from last week by applying progressive overload? You know, did you stick to your rest periods? Did you um, lift more weight than last week? You have a lot of questions to ask. 
and calorie burning doesn't really have much to do with it. Okay, look, if you're trying to lose fat, I understand you want to burn a certain amount of calories, like, and maybe that's going to help you. But then you get caught into this vortex of going, okay, this week I burnt 500, next week I'm going to do 510, then I'm going to do 520, 535, 40, and then, like, you're no longer chasing progressive overload, training with good form, sticking to your rest periods, you're chasing just this 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 number of, of, of calories burnt, which doesn't really do you any benefit, because if we come back to what I was talking about before, the amount of calories burnt is so easy to overcome by eating too much. So I would rather shift that focus that you have of like obsessing about how many calories you did to like how many you consumed because you can actually make more progress by monitoring. This is for fat loss specifically. You can make more progress for fat loss by monitoring your intake rather than trying to maximize your outtake. And also you have this question of time. Can you just continue to train for so long? Okay, you started at burning 500 calories, but now you're up to 700, then you have to go to 800, then you have to go to 900. Like, are you just going to stay at the gym for two or three hours just smashing yourself on the Stairmaster? It doesn't really make sense. And that's why we have to start working smarter as opposed to just working harder. Oh, I'm doing so much cardio, I'm doing so much weights, and then you're exhausted. That's not the smart way to approach fat loss. It's not about like over-exercising. It's, it's more so about the smarter way to do it is under eating. And I don't mean starving yourself by saying under eating. I mean like consuming a calorie deficit. So just coming under your maintenance and dropping body fat over that long extended time that way. That's the much smarter way to do things in my opinion. So how do I like to look at burning calories? I like to just use a calorie calculator. It just does the formula for you. I, I like to use the Harris-Benedict formula. So if you use my calorie calculator, which will be, you know, if you're on YouTube, uh, in the link in the description, if you're on Spotify or, or, or Apple Podcasts, I, I always put it underneath. Um, you can use my free calorie calculator. It doesn't cost you anything um, but your email address. And once you have that number, you, like that's your maintenance. That's your total daily energy expenditure. And once you have that, then you can really start experimenting. Okay, so this should be your maintenance. You could even just eat that amount of calories for a week. And if your weight maintains, then that is your true maintenance. But sometimes the formula is not too wrong. Maybe sometimes you, you instead of choosing slightly active, you choose moderately active. So it's not very accurate. But you'll get a feel for it. If you eat your maintenance calories that comes out of the calculator and you still lose weight, you'll know that if you want to maintain weight, you probably need to bump that up a little bit. You could bump it up 50 calories. You could bump it up 100 calories and you experiment that way. I like to do it this way because it looks at your week as an average, as opposed to like, oh, I burnt 700 calories today in my workout. So that means I need to eat X amount more. And then if you only do a workout that's only 200 calories, then you have to like readjust. But if you look at the average over time and just go, okay, my maintenance with my physical activity of, you know, slightly active, I need to eat 3000 calories and that's my maintenance. Okay, cool. That's it. And then you eat it. Oh, wow. I'm eating 3000 and I'm still like I'm gaining weight. I think I wasn't accurate enough. So then you put in, okay, I'm, I think I'm actually sedentary. I, I, like I don't train. And then it brings your calories down to 2,700 and then you maintain weight. And you're like, oh, that's where I'm at. That's my total daily energy expenditure. So I like to look at it over the day as opposed to looking at it session by session because then that is just too much work as well. And ultimately that's how it works. 
with fat loss. It's about averages. It's about weekly averages. The same with your steps. How many steps are you doing over the week? How many calories are you, are you consuming over the week? Are you sticking to that average? So sometimes you can just times your calories by seven and just try and hit that by the end of the week because some days you might eat more, some days you might eat less. For example, my female clients will have their period and they'll and they'll like feel ravenous sometimes when they are at certain points in their cycle. And then at some points, we'll have to dial it back because look, hey, if we're trying to lose weight, you ate a bit more that week. So this week, we're going to kind of dial it down a bit because this is when you feel less hungry. So we kind of play to that. And then you just look at averages as opposed to looking at, oh, I failed my diet today. I'm a bad person. And then you just like binge and then you get stuck in this cycle. So that's how I like to do it. I like to look at calories over the week. I like to look at it, you know, even over the month. And then you look at like your weight over the week, uh, your photos over the week, your measurements over the week. And then you start to get an idea for trends as opposed to looking at things that are just like, oh, I burnt 200 calories today. Now I need to burn 200 here. Now I need to do 700 calories over here and, and I need to do 500 calories in this workout. It can just be too much work. Use a calculator. I oh, look, I'm, I'm not just trying to push my one. You can use whatever one you want online, but find a calorie calculator, use it. And then once you have that average, you can start making changes from there, whatever your goal may be. If it is to optimize muscle growth, you will get in a calorie surplus. And then if you use my calculator, it gives you a recommendation of how much of a calorie surplus you would need to create. Um, if you wanted to just maintain your weight and get stronger, then you would just consume the maintenance calories that are provided or the total daily energy expenditure, whatever it is labeled as within the calorie that you, the calorie calculator that you use. And if you wanted to create a calorie deficit, you would eat underneath the maintenance calories that you receive. It's really that simple. So I'm going to wrap up this podcast here. I hope that this helped you with understanding how calories work and how we, how, how expending calories works because once you understand it you start to get an understanding of how much you need to consume and how much attention you need to give to like consuming calories or burning calories and what methods of exercise to use and does it really matter uh, one finishing thing that i did want to end on was um, the power of walking so neat levels non-planned exercise or if you want to put it in the planned exercise that i, I don't care what sort of ideology you want to stick to but the power of walking, it's very like we burn more calories from our walking than our training. So look at it like that. I'm not saying it's better to skip a workout and go for a walk. Workouts build muscle, walking doesn't. But in terms of burning calories and driving up your um, calorie expenditure, trying to burn more calories for things like fat loss, that's why instead of prescribing cardio, I often just prescribe more steps for people because going for a longer walk um, or being more intentional about your steps throughout the day is often easier than smashing out a cardio session and more attractive. So put that into your back pocket and use it next time you want to lose fat. Or in reverse, if you want to gain muscle but you're struggling to gain weight, maybe you dial your steps down. So you burn less calories from your steps and create that calorie surplus a bit easier. All right, team. I hope that helps. I'll see you in the next podcast.